0: Greetings and salutations, welcome to another episode of Unfunk Yourself, a place to unfunk, talk freely and reset. I hope that you're all doing super, super well and enjoying these newfound freedoms. Feels so brilliant to be seeing so many friends and family, doesn't it? Now, Today, I am delighted and honoured to be joined by a very special guest. I do think, though, that we could press record and just talk all day. Uh, We're very similar people, so watch out. You could be here for the long haul. There is so much that I want to dig into, so much I want to unpack and debunk and explore. Now, she's carved out the most wonderful career behind the chair in the wonderful creative world of hairdressing, only to leave it all behind In pursuit of a career in mental health after studying psychology, psychotherapy, to become a psychotherapist and then to come back behind the chair. And now moving forward with a scrumptious blended twist, which is revolutionizing the hairdressing industry and empowering those who work so hard inside of it to avoid burnout and encourage to thrive by creating boundaries and promoting well-being. So, how did it all happen? What top tips and secrets can she share with us today? So, let's find out as we welcome the incredible, the resilient hairdresser herself, Hayley Jepson. Hayley, welcome to Unfunk Yourself. How are you?
1: I'm really well. Thanks for having me. What an intro.
0: <laughs> I feel special. Good. Um, You're very special to a lot of people in the hairdressing industry. I know that for sure. Now, will you share with our listeners, will you walk us through your journey? How on earth did you become the resilient hairdresser? Where did the name come from?
1: Oh, that's a good question. No one's ever asked me that before. Um, (laughs) Can you believe no one's ever asked me that, but they haven't? Where the name came from? The name came from. Um, Well, I decided that resilience was the word that I was interested in. Resilience was what I, I decided that would summarize everything that I wanted to teach and get over. It was resilience skills. And I was thinking about how in offices people have resilience training, you know, and they roll their eyes at it. In hairdressing, we don't have that. And I listened to this podcast from America called The Thriving Stylist. Uh, And she's a business coach for hairdressers. And I sort of liked that. And I was thinking about it. And I just thought, oh, the resilient hairdresser. So I was inspired by, uh, you know, another coach who was doing something similar but different. And I was obsessed with the word resilience. And so that's how it ended up, you know, like that. So I meant it to be the resilient hairdresser, as in be a resilient hairdresser. But then it ended up where everyone calls me the resilient hairdresser. And that's fine. (laughs) So that's how it ended up like that. You know, that's how the name ended up there. Yeah, weird.
0: (laughs) You became a hairdresser from leaving school. Tell us the journey that you went on to become a hairdresser. Then you became a technician within the wonderful world of colour. And then you left. Take us on that journey, if you will. Let us understand how you got there. From school
1: to now. (laughs) From school to now. Yes. Let's Um, do it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I didn't become a hairdresser straight out of school, actually. I went to uh, college to do media studies. That was my first thing. Um, I was always told I was too clever to be a hairdresser and that I shouldn't do it. And I went to media uh, studies and I didn't, I know, ridiculous. And I didn't really like it for varying reasons. And then the deaf story is, around that time, I was having all these mad hair extensions and dreadlocks and all sorts of chaotic, weird things. And I ended up leaving college to become an assistant in this hairdressers. So I I got my way eventually. and My mum and dad weren't bothered. It was more school. They were just like, you're too smart, you're too smart, you shouldn't do that. Anyway, eventually I did leave college and I became a hairdresser. And then really fairly quickly, Tony and Guy came to Manchester uh, in 1995. And so I'd been hairdressing a couple of years then and I was a little disillusioned straight away, actually, because it seemed disorganised, unfair, you know, as an assistant, it was not a nice place to be. I sort of Mm. liked the work, but was very unhappy with the culture. And so I was thinking about leaving before I even qualified. And then Tony and Guy came to town and weirdly, they asked me to work for them, which is, you know, mental when you look back. I've been really lucky when you look back in funny ways, because I was training to be a colour technician and we were in short supply in those days. And so they asked me to work for them. And I sort of said, no, I'm not really interested. And they were going, well, just come for an interview and see what you think. And I was just like, nah. Anyway, I went. I thought, oh, I'll go and listen. And when I got there, I thought, oh, oh, this is, this is fancy. This seems organised. You should do this, Hayley. Like, and I just thought, "Yes." Yeah. So I grabbed the opportunity with both hands. And it's literally the best thing I ever did. Because that's when I started to take hairdressing seriously and I saw that they took it seriously, and this was a career, and this is when people eventually started to see, you know, like my mum and dad, and people were like, oh, this is a proper job, she can make proper money, and so that was brilliant, and so I worked for Tony and Guy for 10 years, I um, I worked my way up to the top level, I educated for them, I worked in different countries for them, I educated for Weller and L'Oreal, no, no, no. it was great, and you know, it was brilliant, and then I left and works for an independent salon in manchester's northern quarter with basically lots of people who'd left tony and guy at the same time my friend set up a salon and i worked there and it was when i was working here that i burnt out and quit hairdressing so i was probably about 20 years in i would say at this point coming up to 20 years and I was at the top of my game from the outside. I was busy. I was booked up months in advance. I did massive transformation work. You know, I had a good reputation as someone who could fix anything. Um, and, but inside, I was dying. I was personally, I w- I've struggled with depression since I was 14, on and off. And it was really back with a vengeance at this time. So at this time, I am about early 30s. And, um, I was miserable as a person <laughs> um I was overworked I wasn't in a very supportive <laughs> culture I would say um it's not that my bosses were mean it's just it was very uh, just how hairdressing can be it's bums on seats you work hard you know you don't take breaks mm. uh, stuff like that anyway the long and short of it was I was having some therapy at this time so transactional analysis therapy you know that Have you heard of that and so that's the sort of therapy I was having
0: Uh, no no never heard heard of it It sounds really
1: good yeah it's just a mode of therapy you know and I was having that and it was making a difference and I was finally feeling better and then I started to think it was interesting beyond me you know I got interested in psychology generally because like you were saying to me earlier on when we were chatting you get fascinated by the fact that it works (laughs) and you want to tell everyone about it and so Mm. spread the word so I remember saying to my therapist one day how do you learn to do what you do and she said I went here and she told me about the school that she went to and then I inquired and I realized you could pay monthly (laughs) which was totally the cincher because otherwise you know you're looking at fortunes to retrain as a therapist and I realized I could pay for it monthly and I decided to go for it Mm. And so I did, I worked, it took four years part-time to train to be a therapist. You have to be in therapy full-time for the whole of that. So in the end, I was in personal therapy for six years. I have talked about myself a lot. Um, And I did exactly what I planned to do. I quit at the end. I quit hairdressing. I set up a private practice. I got a job in a sixth form college as well. So I did a few days working with um, teenagers, 16 to 19-year-olds which was a good age for me because it's the NVQ age, which is what I taught anyway. Um, I really like teenagers and I quit and I was like, see your hairdressing. I will never be back. And I just thought I'd cracked it. And, you know, I was in the honeymoon period for a few years. I was loving using my brain in a different way. I liked helping the young people. I just loved it. And then I started to notice that the depression started to creep back in. But I was tooled up this time and I knew why. And I realised that I was basically lonely. My work was too lonely for me. Um, I lived on my own and I worked all day with people who were talking to me about sadness. And then I came home to an empty house. And what I realised was I hadn't structured my life in a way where I could fill my own cup. Does that make sense? I just, I'd set it up to fail in a way. Uh, And I I reflected on this and I was always being offered hairdressing jobs and I always said no. And then I was offered one and I thought, all right, (laughs) go on then. I'll do a day. And so I agreed to do a day for this salon uh, and I thought that might address the balance and it did. But then eventually what happened, which was a shocker, was that I realised I was happier on the days I went to the hairdressers, uh, when I was working at the hairdressers. When I woke up and in bed and thought, what day is it, therapy or hair? When it was hair, I was happier. And so it took a while and I I paid attention and slowly, slowly, I increased the hairdressing days. And then one day I just made the leap back into hairdressing. And it was really noticeable to me that I wasn't as worn out and worn down by people and the culture anymore. And I wasn't moaning the same. I was kind of loving it. And there's a few factors involved in this, like a change of clientele, a change of area but mainly I think it was a change of attitude for me. In hindsight, I see that more clearly now. Um, But yeah, it was just so weird. And then it took a couple of years and it it started to dawn on me that I probably couldn't hairdress long-term because I have real back problems. And I started to think about what I might do long-term. And I realised that I had something quite special I could tell other hairdressers about. And I felt really passionate about wanting to help hairdressers with their mental health because I'd seen for years hairdressers struggle with burnout and overwork and misery mm. <laughs> and no one really care or have any solutions and I realized I did have some and so I just decided to go for it and you know yeah. the long the beginning of it was I wrote I mean the reason I, there's another funny story my one of my oldest clients is a life coach life coach business coach and I was talking to her saying I need a passive income, I need this. And, and she was like, "Well, you've got to think about what's special about you. And that's when I realized I was a therapist and a hairdresser and came up with this idea with her. Um, so I'm forever grateful for that little bit of free uh, life and business coaching. But um, I just decided to develop a course that I'd written. So when I was training to be a therapist, you had to do um, a presentation. And so I did a presentation about what it was like to be a hairdresser. And all the other um, therapy trainees, obviously, were only clients. And they were all fascinated by the experience of the hairdresser. They were like, I didn't realize how hard it was for you guys. I'm always thinking about myself when I go in. I'm so consumed with my own fear that I don't think about the sort of day you're having. Uh, and, And so I written this course and I developed this course into a workshop for hairdressers And I literally drew it on a flip chart, threw it in the back of my car, tested it on some friends. And they were like, this is brilliant. And then I started to test it on hairdressers I didn't know. And then I thought, I know I've got something here. I'm going to go for it. There you go. That is school to now. (laughs) Well, it's school to two years ago.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So this was your eureka moment. This was the natural fit I guess between two pieces of jigsaw which was marrying together blending together what you're really brilliant at which was hairdressing and therapy and you know we were chatting earlier there isn't anybody else really that I know of that offers this because you were the first that I'd ever heard of it so
1: I think it's just me
0: you know (laughs) Yeah, well, absolutely. Of course, it is. I think one of the burning questions that I want to know is how do you measure the success, the impact that you're having? when you deliver your coaching to people um is it through testimonials what what kind of feedback are you getting what difference are you making to people in the hairdressing community
1: it's exactly that it's testimonials and word of mouth you know I think um I stay in touch with everybody you know I'm trying to build a supportive community as well Uh, Not in a very structured way. I don't want a Facebook group or anything. I can't be bothered with that. But I just want my Instagram page uh, to be somewhere that people can come. And I message my old clients all the time and go, how are you doing? How's it going? And they message me to tell me about their wins. uh, Not a day goes by without a hairdresser messaging me, telling me about a boundary that they put in. (laughs) And I love the fact that they want me to know. So I'm proud. So I take that as amazing. Um, people do write me testimonials. They tell they tell other people about me. And so I think it's it, like in the old fashioned way that people used to spread the word about hairdressers. I think it's the same. I think that's the only way I can measure it is by people telling me their lives have improved
0: yeah absolutely um listeners please do follow um hayley the resilient hairdresser on instagram she's managed to create a wonderful community on there it's very engaging it's very interactive some of it's deep some of it's light touch a lot of it is fun but a lot of it is about sharing experiences and sharing stories and even though this is the world of hairdressing i've taken a lot from it as well because you can transfer a lot of the skills that you're trying to coach people into doing. So it is transferable. It's brilliant. Haley, answer me this, if you will. What is the one thing that you wish you'd known when starting your career?
1: As a hairdresser? Which or career? both? <laughs> oh, let's think. I mean, it's quite interesting, really, because <laughs> what I wish I'd known as a hairdresser is nothing to do with mental health. It's to do with physical health. I wish I'd looked after my back. I wish I'd known that was a thing. I wish I'd known the toll it was mm. going to take on my body. Uh, no one prepared you for that. Yeah. Um, a yeah. lot of my friends who are educated within hairdressing, actually, we, we talk a lot about what we're angry about we weren't taught in hairdressing school. And it's, it's, it's things like how to run a business. All we're taught is to cut a bob and put some highlights in. You know, well, a yeah. a bit fancier than that, but we're not told how to balance books, we're not how told how to buy stock, we're no. not told that your shoulders, your knees, your back, and your bladder are gonna suffer. You know, like this is just not a thing. And so I feel that hairdressers aren't pre warned enough about what they're really getting into and how hard it is. And so I wish I'd looked after my body better, because that has really shortened my career. Um so that's that answer for that. But also, obviously, in hindsight, I wish the mental health side of it was a thing. I just think I wish there was training beyond doing hair. It's all the other side is missing. And for me, one of my dreams is to run an alternative hairdressing conference that's about nothing to do with hair. It's all about how to organize your money, how to look after your body, how to plan a business, how to, you know, how to start an empire from a little salon, you know, all of that. So that's what I'm interested in. So I wish I'd known that. What do I wish I would have known? Setting up the resilient hairdresser. I don't know. I wish I'd known there was a pandemic coming four months later. <laughs> you know, what happened for me was I set up a business. I went on Instagram in the November of 2019 and I was all g up to look after busy, burnt out hairdressers. And within four months, (laughs) I had a lot of bored, stressed out with nothing to do hairdressers. And so my, you know, all these plans I had went out the window and I was now supporting on the hoof. I was literally reading the room daily on Instagram. And so, you know, jokingly, I wish I'd known there's a pandemic, but I don't know. I think I was actually quite prepared for this business. I was ready. You know, I was... Excited, and I feel like I did things quite well. Um, if I want to blow my own trumpet, in the way that I didn't faff about because I'm 46 now, I was 45 when I started it. I knew it was now or never. It's like, here you go, this is the this is like my third act, if you like, with my career. I haven't got time to mess about, and so I got a coach straight away. I didn't mess about, you know, running around looking for the answers. I paid
0: a coach and I figured out what to do thanks Hayley I think that's one of the best things is that you know and learn how to not procrastinate you know when you need to take action and if it's one thing that we very much promote here at Unfunky Self is commit to action you can't Mm -hmm. you can't change anything unless you're in action and that's precisely what you've done and also if you don't know how to get from A to B 100% employ the services of somebody who can help you to get there step by step and realise your dream.
1: Yeah, exactly yeah. that. And I'll tell you what was interesting. I was really shopping around for a business coach at the beginning. Um, and also I tried on a few. There was Andy Burnham had a service going on where there was free business coaching for startups in Manchester. And I spoke to people and I, I it just wasn't working for me because nobody understood the hairdressing industry. Because they kept saying things to me like, Lala, and I was going, that doesn't work with hairdressers. And what happened was, I ended up educating the business coaches about the hair industry. And I thought, what's the point in this?
0: (laughs) And then I found
1: this, I'd been following this woman in America for a couple of years, and she's basically a business coach for hairdressers. uh, And she started out as a hairdresser, and then she launched a program which was for people who wanted to educate hairdressers and I just threw money at her and I was like you and it was the best thing I ever did it was amazing because I found someone who did what I did she set up an education business from her spare room and so I was thrilled oh
0: that is magnificent isn't it wonderful how you fell upon her you found her you knew Mm -hmm. straight away it was that gut instinct and I think I've read recently uh, Malcolm Gladwell's book called Ooh, Blink, one? and it's about Blink. slicing, which means going with your gut instinct, knowing that this is absolutely for you. So I applaud you. I have another question for you, though. How, because you support others so well and so deeply, how do you stay on top of your own learning and development?
1: Uh, with conscious choice, you know, it's important. I make it important. That's it. It's non-negotiable. What being a therapist taught me was, if you're going to support other people, you must have a good support system. You can't give from an empty, you know, you can't pour from an empty cup. And I say this to hairdressers daily, and hairdressers don't realise that they're supporting people all the time and that they need to recharge. Whereas as a therapist, I was taught that very clearly, you know. And so I think a lot of the things. Well, like I say, a lot of the things I learned as a therapist, I brought forward as a hairdresser but I'm also bringing forward in my coaching whereas I've started creating one of the things I've started doing recently is creating little support pods with or without me I've been matching up salon owners who feel lonely from around the country and putting them in little groups and going look after each other um, and so I have my support pods don't you fret? <laughs> <laughs> and I do um, personal development stuff you know, I do things, I did a course last week, I've got a couple next week and I'm always reading and I was, it's funny, I was reading a book yesterday and I thought, I'm reading this for me and my clients, it's for both.
0: Yeah, we do that here at at UFY, you know, I do exactly the same thing, you know, I'm reading the 5am club, by Robin Sharma at the moment, because I'm just galvanising all of this information and it's beautifully written and I can understand why it took him so long to write it. And it's almost like a blend of of everybody I love, like uh, Tony Robbins, um, all of those people together. Mm -hmm. and, And I love it, but it's always with my clients my future clients mm-hmm. my instagram followers at the mm-hmm. heart of it because you want to share the good stuff you don't want to yeah. keep it to yourself because it's it's magical you know yeah now Haley, please let me take you back in time let's get in a time machine let's go back in time <laughs> um who were your early influencers who were the ones who positively impacted you and made a difference
1: do you like people in my life or famous people or all the above
0: Anybody, uh, all of the above really, it's who Who did you look at and think, oh my gosh, this person is incredible. I want to take bits from them and, and really use that going forward. Well,
1: I'll tell you, uh, the very, I'll, there'll be a few. So at the very beginning, when I was first hairdressing, the reason I decided to become a colorist was because the technician women were funny. Like I used to see in the salon, <laughs> there was all these women in the corner working mucky, you know, covered in tin laughing like drains and they were hilarious and then there was all these pretentious people over here cutting hair and I thought well I know where (laughs) I'm going and so that's why I became a colorist so first of all in my experience for years this has stood up the colorists are always funny and so I decided they were my people so they influenced me straight away that's why I decided to go there I would say in a way Oprah when I think about this now has been a massive influence because she's been ever present. When I was a kid, not a kid, but I mean, when did Oprah pop up for us? I remember being a young teenager and watching Oprah with my mum. You know, I remember that and I was fascinated with Oprah and you know, think about Oprah's journey. She was all, you know, shouting and DNA testing at the beginning. And now it's the book club and candles under your chair and building schools in Africa. And, you know, the work has really progressed. But there was that middle phase where it was a bit like coaching on TV for women, wasn't it? You know, and I think I really was just at an impressionable age when Oprah was on telly and my mum loved her, you know. And so it was on. So I think Oprah just chipped away in the background a little bit for me and. Um, which is funny. I've not really thought about that before. But as soon as you said who, I just thought Oprah. <laughs> but think big, you know. Um, <laughs> why not? As a hairdresser, um, someone who influenced me in the past few years is a colorist called Tracy Cunningham. Um, she's a beautiful, beautiful colorist, And you all know her work. She does J-Lo, Mariah Carey, Gwyneth Paltrow. Anyone with beautiful hair in LA, Tracy does them. And I went on her courses. She came to Manchester a couple of years ago. I paid my money. I sat there in the front row and I listened and I absorbed. Um, I'm a massive fan of Brené Brown, as I'm sure you must be. Um, Brené Brown, you know, when I was a therapist, she was the pin-up. <laughs> you know, we were all you know, absorbing her TED talks and loving it. So I think she's very accessible and doing great stuff. Um, who else am I looking up to at the moment? At the moment, I look up to the coach I was telling you about. Um, she's called Hey Elizabeth Faye on Instagram. Yeah. That's the hairdressing business coach that I paid my money to. And I find her really inspiring. She's she's like 25 or 26 which is terrifying I remember I said to her recently how old are you and she was in her 20s and I just wanted to vomit I just thought if I'd have had half the brains as you I I think she's about 28 now actually but honestly I was nearly sick I just thought wow what are you going to be when you're my age you're going to be Oprah
0: (laughs) Exactly. And you know what, looking back to when I was 25, being a child of the 70s, nothing, I I knew nothing at 25. You know, like you've just said, if you had half of the intelligence and the knowledge Mm -hmm. and the the self-awareness at that age back then, would life have been different? I'd have been running the world. Uh, yeah. For those uh, having these people around me, I'm so so grateful because it very much sounds like you've you've almost created yourself a little team around you because you've got Oprah, you've got Brene, you've got <laughs> yeah. your um hairdressing business life coach. And it's mm-hmm. almost like you've got this board of directors around you which help you you know give some objectivity as to what's going on
1: well I think so And I'll tell you I was listening to a brilliant podcast yesterday and I like this other coach called um Denise Duffield Thomas have you ever heard of her she's brilliant she's got a great book called The Chillpreneur which I literally tell everyone in the world to read but she was on this podcast talking with two other women about owning land And I'll tell you what was fascinating to listen to was three women talking about buying land, having money. They weren't embarrassed about having money, talking about how it was. I was so interested to be in a conversation with three millionaire women and listen to how they make their business plans. And it was fascinating. And I thought to myself, this is how we find mentors when we can't afford them. It's easy to find a mentor these days. They're just out there on podcasts and Instagram. They're in books you know i i didn't I wasn't paying Oprah. She was just on my tele you know um there are ways to find mentors,
0: yeah, absolutely. I agree with you, and people that resonate with you. you are aligned value wise This is what I find out. The mentors mm-hmm. that you have around you, the people who you gravitate towards have very similar values to you so absolutely fantastic this is all thrilling stuff I'm really excited (laughs) it's great now um (laughs) let me let me ask you something this is a bit of a long one really now every six to ten weeks I get really excited because I'm on my way to the hairdressers I'm going to get my roots done especially now when you've been waiting three and a half long months to get foils in your hair etc and when you sit in the chair it's almost like therapy, and I think that our hairdressers see very intimate parts of us, whether or not we're talking about breakups and marriages and politics and Brexit and everything else, and I think that's quite a lot to take on, and we, get, we are the ones that get to feel amazing, and I think we leave behind the exhaustion of the conversation that we have with our hairdressers. Hayley, how do our hairdressers cope with that kind of stuff? And how do you coach them in these situations? What advice do you give them when, because I'm not just their client for the day. They're seeing six, seven, eight clients in a day, maybe more, I don't know. But that's got to be tough.
1: Yeah, it's very tough. Uh, I would say people cope with it with varying degrees of success. You know, when I burn out, I was not coping with it at all. Um, I was really actually one of the things that led me to leave hairdressing the first time around was I was bored. I was bored with the conversation. I was mentally very unstimulated. Um, yeah. And so that was a thing, you know, I was tired of the conversations I was having all day and that was really taking a toll on my energy. But yeah, hairdressers taught to me a lot about this. Uh, you know, it really depends on how many people they do a day, the sort of clientele they've got, how interested they are in the chat. But it's true. I mean, hairdressers do have clients that we go, oh God, she's going to suck my soul out. There are clients (laughs) that literally steal your energy. Like when they leave, you're just like, they're exhausting. And you can't even put your finger on it. But literally, I have a person in my head now. And I just think, I don't know what she used to do to me. But it was exhausting to be around her for a couple of hours. she was just contrary. you couldn't you just, you couldn't have a normal conversation with it, it was impossible. but some people are very very exhausting, and I think they don't realize it um but hairdressers take it all on board, and I think many of them, like I was saying at the beginning, haven't figured out that they must learn to recharge because they're constantly giving themselves away and so I I taught the first the first thing I say to any the first thing I figure out when I get a new client is how resourced is this person. It's the same as when I was a therapist. My I, what I'm trying to figure out straight away is do they have a support network, and so I'm going to work on that before I start looking at their business because it doesn't they they come to me with business problems but I'm sorting other stuff out. Sometimes it's just business. It really depends, but it's always the same as when I was a therapist. How resourced is this person? What have they already got in their toolkit? Who have they got on their side? What else apart from work is stressing them out? So I'm thinking about all these things. And then I start teaching people eventually how to protect yourself from clients that want all your energy. And there's simple tricks for that. You know, like when I was bored and I left hairdressing, you know, I was bored and stressed, which is a rubbish combination. Um, I wanted to have deeper conversations and so but when I return to hairdressing and what I know now is that's actually exhausting find your deeper conversations outside of hairdressing that's what I think so that's what I tell hairdressers if you're bored you need to find that stimulation elsewhere because if you find it in your clients that will be future problems does
0: that make sense oh c- complete sense of wise advice Hayley wise <laughs> advice from the resilient hairdresser right here now <laughs> we know that many of our beautiful hairdressers are returning back to salons right now from the pandemic. And whilst they're really excited, they're back in the creative seat again, and they're seeing their lovely customers through, you know, long and broad, they've really missed. And I get that. But I know that there's pockets of people who are very anxious about returning back to salons because because of COVID, because they've not had their vaccinations. A lot of them are quite young. They've got young families at home or they're caring for parents themselves. And there's the anxiety of that. But also on top of that, they've now got the added anxiety of waiting lists, priority lists and the expectations of clients and they don't get a break they're working long hours that they're worried about burnout what advice Haley, could you give to us as clients to help our talented hairdressing teams across the country when they're coming back what can we do I've got so much advice <laughs>
1: if you like your hairdresser <laughs> and want them to prioritize you on that list be kind because the people that push do not go to the top of that list. What what I'm hearing is uh, I, I had a lot of clients of mine, so hairdressers, who were so disappointed on their first week back to come back to clients moaning, moaning about wearing a mask, moaning about getting a skin test, uh, moaning about... The time slots they could get, moaning about waiting three weeks. Honestly, three weeks. You're you're like a favourite if you're in in the first three weeks, moaning about everything. And I just think, for one minute, just take a little minute to think what it might be like to be one hairdresser with a hundred clients. And like, for example, let me put it into context. So I only I've only literally just stopped hairdressing. So I've I've come back after two lockdowns with waiting lists. And at one point, I I said to my clients, there's one of me and 80 of you, and I do eight clients a week. So let's just put into context how long some people are going to have to wait. It's going to be 10 weeks for some of you, and it just is. And it was a bit of a, a sobering, because a lot of people messaged me and said, I didn't realize you had that many clients. And I'm like, that's how many it takes. That's how that's fully booked. And I think I get it. Everyone's desperate for the hair done and all of that. But, you know, surely you don't want your hairdresser on their knees, starving, not seeing their family. You know, the world's just opened up. You're allowed to go and, you know, sit in someone's garden now. I don't want to be spending my day. I want to spend my day off doing that, not going, not doing another set of highlights. and being resentful. But I also say to hairdressers, your client deserves your full attention and energy when they finally get in after eight weeks but if you turn up and you're on your knees they deserve better than that but it's a two-way street I think isn't it I think everyone has to look after their side of the street so I think hairdressers have to look after themselves but I think as a client you just need to respect that I'm hearing this as well a lot a lot of hairdressers are doing things like Uh, they've refined their systems. They're now taking booking fees. They've got online booking. They've streamlined their business to reduce the admin. And people are moaning and taking offense. And I'm like, just go along with it and be nice. People are doing it for your benefit and their benefit. You know, just roll with the changes and be grateful for an appointment and bring them a coffee.
0: That always goes down well. Whenever I see my wonderful hairdresser who works at Tony and Guy in Knutsford, Elizabeth Stewart, she is an amazing colour technician. During lockdown, she managed to fulfil her ambition and get a degree in colour technician. And she's done amazingly well. And I always take her something, you know, and I think after speaking to you, I will make sure that I go to Sainsbury's or Marks's or Waitrose beforehand and get some butties in for them. Just get some sandwiches in for them so they can all have a bite to eat when they nip to the loop. And
1: that's why you've had your highlights done already. (laughs) (laughs) Look at you there, top of the list with your fresh haircut and your highlights. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) I was in on that first Wednesday because I'm good to mine. (laughs) (laughs)
0: she's a magician in my eyes and I think all of you do so wonderfully well to manage the expectations um, of clients and I think moving forward my hope is that more clients will no longer take for granted the hairdresser, you know, the walk in, you know, I want to feel a million dollars, you know, I want it done today. So, Hayley, let me ask you another thing. What do, when we're under the lamp and we're covered in foils, we know that the salon, I know the salon only because of Elizabeth, is very orchestrated. But a lot of people take it for granted because they come in, they check in, they sit down. What would you like today? That's when the whole process starts. But they don't see what you see. What can you share with us that we need to know about in order to, can we stop taking our hairdressing salons for granted?
1: Well, I think what hairdressers are very good at is being like swans. We Hairdressers call it putting the show on. So when we come out of the staff room, we put on the show. Um, We put on the hairdressing personality. That is very widely spoken about within the hairdresser. If we all say, we've got to put the show on, we all know what that means. Uh, That's talked about. You will be told off your boss, you need to put the show on. Um, You can't bring that in here. You must put the show on. The show is not on in the staff room. Staff rooms are the best places to be. That's what I miss mainly as a staff room. But um, I think what you've got to... (laughs) Hairdressers are like swans. It's all going on under the surface. We're thinking about a lot of things. Like when I worked in a salon, I was triple booked. So I was a colourist. So I was usually managing three clients at a time. And so I'm listening to you and I'm talking to you, but I've got half an eye on what that junior is doing over there with my other client. I'm also thinking I need a wee. I've got half an eye on the door because I know I've got someone else coming in and they've come in half an hour earlier. So I'm devastated because they're early and I've not even started you. You know, that kind of thing. We're multitasking while trying to provide a good service. And I suppose I just, I would just like people to sometimes remember that their hairdressers are human and that they are all doing their best, really doing their best. And sometimes against all odds because. Often you can have a wonderful hairdresser, but in a salon that's not got a great culture. And it's so interesting. I was talking with some hairdressers this morning on Clubhouse about this, about how hard we call it dancing. We had to dance so hard to provide a good service because the salons we worked in weren't up to scratch. And we used to do so. We worked double hard so that our clients had a lovely time and hope that they didn't notice the failings of the salon we were in. So there's a lot going on. I was always trying to protect my clients from the fact that my juniors didn't get them a coffee when they were supposed to. The receptionist wasn't as polite as they should have been. God knows what, you know, just the failings of a salon and your is always protecting you from that if they're good. They're not telling you about it. They're not moaning about it. They're protecting you from it. And it's exhausting.
0: (laughs) I like to ask these questions because I like to debunk some of the myths that a lot of clients have, a lot of the general public have about hairdressing because On the surface, it can seem such a creative and such a lovely... It's a bit like travel, I guess. Some people see it as a very fluffy, very Mm -hmm. lovely industry. And yet, it's hard work, it's graft, it's mental health, it's burnout. It's everything that customers and clients don't get to see. You know, Mm -hmm. it it is, you know, that resilience that you have to have.
1: I just want to say as well, though, because I don't want people to think that hairdressing is miserable. Hairdressing is brilliant it's one of the best jobs ever as well. It's the most fun I've ever had. And it's also the hardest work I've ever done. It's such, um, it's full of extreme highs and extreme lows. You know, it's, it's like a roller coaster of a day. I liken it to a bit like A&E sometimes, or like a really busy kitchen, you know, it's pressure, it's creative, it's wonderful, it's exciting, and it's bonkers. And it's very adrenaline pumping, you know, so it's that. How do you stay motivated? Just the pure will that I want the hairdressing culture to change. You know, I just really want, if I can, to create a small change in in the culture of hairdressing. It's that. I don't want burnout to be as accepted as the norm. I want, I want to start seeing... Uh, the hairdressing look hairdressers looking after themselves starting with mvq training i want to see it just being very subtly dropped in from the beginning i don't want it to be something that we start worrying about in our mid-30s when we've had enough i want this to be common and normal and so that's what keeps me motivated is seeing hairdressers change their life and not quit because a lot of them come to me when they're about to quit and, and when they don't do that and they find the joy for their job again, I love that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. And I think a lot of people are taking kind of advantage of the pandemic, I guess, in putting to the fore and making it more of an agenda, mental health and well-being. Is becoming very trendy, very on, um, on vogue and, and something that people really want to gravitate towards. So... Well, that's
1: true. But also what you want to remember, though, is that hairdressers are very on vogue and very on trend. And so they're very accepting of the mental health industry. They're interested. You know, hairdressing is predominantly women and women are always interested in well-being and health and feeling better and stuff. So it really marries up really well that my ideal clients are hairdressers, but women and women of certain ages. And it, it blends really well. It's been a very easy transition because they're very uh, open to new ideas, the hairdressing industry.
0: With your hairdressers, do you see anything like imposter syndrome or mum guilt if people have left to have babies and come back? What about the menopause and how that affects hairdressers as well? Because I cannot imagine for one moment a woman having the symptoms of menopause while still hairdressing and having to stand up all day and not eat.
1: I couldn't nod hard enough when you were talking then. Um, so imposter syndrome is massive. Uh, so big that I'm planning on writing a course around it. I just need to do some thinking around that. Uh, particularly particularly when the stakes get higher, like when you decide to educate or get your own salon. Uh, why should people listen to me type thing? So imposter syndrome is really big whenever you sort of, peek your head out and decide to do something a bit bigger in hairdressing um what was the next one oh mum guilt is massive you know that's people talk about that endlessly to me because obviously work-life balance is a lot of stuff people are talking about and really I think when people although it's interesting one of the things that comes up a lot for me is when people have got kids they've got a very solid reason to leave the salon that's justifiable and understandable to people whereas I've got a client who's similar to me in that she's not married and lives alone and she says she just feels like she hasn't got a good reason to stay late and work because she she's just going home for a social life and she feels like not so in some ways it's interesting kids can almost give you a get out clause you know but also there is the mum guilt um, and all of that getting home late and hairdressing out I've watched my friends over the years Struggle with hairdressing hours when they got kids. You know, you can't do school pickup and do a late night. We, we can't do normal hairdressing hours and pick your kids up. But when you start, you're expected to do a Thursday late night. You're getting in after your kids are in bed, and you're not always in a culture that supports you doing less hours. You know, there's not always an option to go part time. And this is why people end up freelance. That's the only way they can do it is get the balance. Menopause. Now, I've got... I'm not quite there yet. (laughs) It's knocking on the door. I've got a few friends going through menopause and I can't imagine having a hairdryer blowing on your face all day while starving, having a hot flush. Um, But that sounds awful and might be something I need to start thinking about. But there's... um, Yeah, hard. (laughs) Hard. It's just hard, isn't it?
0: (laughs) Yeah, it is. And I just... Again, it's something that I really want to kind of explore in future podcasts and in future grid squares. Is the impact of menopause on our lives, our interactions mm-hmm. with our friends, with our employers, what our employers doing mm-hmm. to normalize the conversations, to be able to give some space? for women who are going through menopause to do whatever they need to do in order mm-hmm. to feel comfortable at work. Mm-hmm. And I just think that hairdressing is one of those visible jobs where you are standing, blow drying hair, creating and having to be showtime when yeah. you don't want to be. So yeah. it's going to be um, very interesting to do a future podcast on that. It'd be quite amazing. Mm-hmm. Now, the pandemic over the last 12 months, Haley has been the same storm for everybody, but we've all been in different boats. So mm-hmm. our, our view of it and our experience of it has been very unique. How did you use that time to your advantage? Because I know that in the November you said about the resilient hairdresser coming to life. Was most of last year then the build up to that? How did you use your time? In
1: the first lockdown, I was still uh, full time hairdressing. And so in the first lockdown, the resilient hairdresser was still a very small side hustle. I didn't think uh, there was, I didn't realize my back was going to go six months later. Um, mm-hmm. I thought I knew it was rubbish, but I thought it'd hold up a few more years. so my eye was very much on my hairdressing business and so in the first lockdown, I lay in my garden on my gravity chair having a lovely time uh, and was grateful from the break from my back hurting and I just Really embraced the break and I I had a great time. And then, about halfway through that lockdown, I'd had enough of a rest and I thought, I need to start using my brain. And that's when I hired my coach because that all came up literally. It was so funny. It happened overnight. She texted me and said, Oh, you expressed interest in this course. And I said, Yeah, but I've never heard from you. She said, It starts tonight. And I was like, Oh. And it was obviously a few grand. And I just said, oh. um, And she said, oh, don't worry. I'll run it again in six months. And I said, no, 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 don't go anywhere. Hang on. Let's chat. (laughs) So we got on the phone from America. And within 10 minutes, I transferred the money, signed up and I was doing it by that night. So by mid first lockdown, I'd committed to this big coaching program. And that's when I really and then I had all this time. Um, and I started really throwing myself into that but then we went back into hairdressing so I was busy and I started to feel quite stressed then because I was busy hairdressing I was in this program and I could see a future but then we locked down again and so whenever we got a lockdown I just doubled down on the resilient hairdresser because I could see that's where I was going and then so that was it then I really I never stopped working I didn't have a break then like I'm on a bit of a I'm not really on a break now but I'm chilling a bit more because for all of these past lockdowns I just worked day and night on the resilient hairdresser because all the hairdressers were sat at home staring at their phones going I don't know what to do and looking to me for answers and I just thought now is the moment you have a captive audience you must seize this moment and that's been brilliant for my business you know that is the silver lining.
0: Something recently has changed hasn't it for you I know that now there has been a definite Adia, goodbye to the hairdressing and now you're full-time on your coaching and the resilient hairdresser as a business. So tell us a little bit more about what what plans you've got. What's the next thing? What's the vision?
1: I'm so excited. You know, it's so funny. I was just saying to you earlier, this is like my second week of full-time coaching and education and it feels so good. Um, I really just enjoy the pace and choosing what I do each day and wearing leggings and (laughs) not doing my hair today is (laughs) a day where I'm not client facing and so what no one can see is I look rough I'm just doing (laughs) a blast dried my hair and I I really quite enjoy not getting ready some days I look at my diary and I go that day I've got to put my makeup on that day I don't and I try and put my jobs together like that (laughs) makeup wearing days and non-makeup wearing days so I'm on a day where Uh, I don't have to um, record a video or talk to a client today. So I look terrible and I'm absolutely loving it. Um, So my plans at the moment, I'm in a phase of creation. And so because the hairdressers are really busy at the moment, I'm ticking over doing my coaching clients, but I'm not running any programs at the minute because they've been doing education. Your hairdresser has spent all these lockdowns educating themselves. Silly. Absolutely educating themselves, silly. There has been so much available and they have grabbed it all with both hands and they need a break. They just need to do some work now and get some money back in their banks because some of them haven't been paid. You know, they're not all employed, they didn't all get furlough. If they were self-employed, that doesn't mean they got the money. And so a lot of them are just skin. And so I'm leaving them to it now to earn themselves some money. And what I'm doing is sitting back and writing some new programs. And so I'm really excited about two programs that I'm working on at the moment. So what I'm doing is taking courses myself to learn a little bit, delving back into my old TA training and putting together programs. So I've got two. One is essentially a resilience. It'd be like my signature resilient course, if you like. I mean, it's very loose in my head at the minute. I I literally do this. I plan them in my head for months. And by the time I sit down to write it, it's written like I percolate and I write down ideas here and there. Um, I have like an electronic pad and I write down my ideas when I have them and I write down quotes and books and I study and I write bits and pieces and then one day it's written in an hour because it's already done. Um, And so I'm writing one which will be something like a six-week program around six key resilience skills. And so people will learn something and then there'll be little bits of group coaching that goes with it. And you go on a little journey. But then within that journey, you, you discover a, a few other hairdressers that they become your support pod. I want to send people away with a support group. You know, that's my plan now. I realized that not long ago that that's the missing element is send them away with some mates um, that they can talk to. And then my second program, which I'm really excited about writing, is for... It's a leadership skills course for women who are salon owners because salon owners are burning out because they're too nice and they have no boundaries. A lot of them are treating their staff like queens and kings and not treating themselves well. And they're struggling with the boundaries between friends and bosses and leading properly. They don't they didn't realize they had to lead a team when they got a salon. And so I'm going to work on the mental health and leadership side and the emotions behind having to lead your friends. Is it possible? Can you do it? What sort of leader do you want to be? What strengths have you got? And how the female energy is leaders is brilliant. And so I'm writing that as well. And so they're my two exciting things that I'm going to launch September.
0: You are a very busy, creative, innovative entrepreneur. Um, It's applaudable what you've managed to do. I take my hat off to you. Um, Now, how do you practice self-care and well-being to keep your own zen and keep yourself (laughs) calm? What top tips can you share with our listeners?
1: Do you know, I have quite a lot of quiet time. Um, I've discovered that overstimulation is a problem for me. Uh, and that was it was a big problem when I was hairdressing towards the end the older I got the more I struggled with overstimulation so too much talking too much music too much input too much telly too much noise too much radio you know too much of everything and so because I talk a lot all day because I'm either usually coaching someone or I'm talking to someone like you on a podcast or I'm running a clubhouse or I just talk all the time and so whenever I'm not doing that my house is quiet I don't have the radio on as constant chatter in the background. Um, I I'm, I, I'm I have quite a quiet house. Um, I have very smart friends that I talk to. A lot of my friends are therapists and we have great conversations. You know, I have a group of women who are very invested in making sure I'm all right as I'm invested in making sure they're all right. So I have some good, deep friendships that are based in looking after each other we're not based in we get drunk and have fun as well but you know we have our eye on that <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like it's some sort of therapy group no but I have smart women you know who I can have those conversations that I need to have with um and also one of the things I've started to really pay attention to recently is you've got to make time for fun you can't just be serious and work all the time you yeah. have to make time for fun that is part of looking after yourself is the light in 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 uh, contrast to the dark and that sort of more serious work you have to have that light and you have to make sure it happens and so that, yeah, they're the main things really at the moment.
0: Thank you for sharing that with us, Hayley. I hope that our listeners have got some valuable insights from, from that because well wellbeing um, along with self-care is something that we practice every single week here at Unfunky Self. You know, we have a setup Sunday where people get very Monday blues. How mm. to avoid that feeling of the Monday blues is by unplugging, having the solitude, having time out, having fun, reconnecting Mm -hmm. with family and pets and nature all of that so your top tips are very very welcome your house sounds very blissfully calm in the quiet that you've just described it's quite quiet my house (laughs) there's just a
1: couple of quiet cats knocking
0: around (laughs) Hayley where can our listeners find you and connect with you where can they find you I
1: mainly live on Instagram I do have a Facebook page but I don't If you send me a message on there, they get lost. I don't know what happens. I live on Instagram. That's basically where I live. So the resilient hairdresser on Instagram is, I'm never far from uh, that. (laughs) If anyone ever wants to talk to me.
0: Perfect. I just want to say thank you for sharing with us everything that you have. And um, there were some tough alternative questions, I think, in there of what we can do for sure. Um, but of course, as always, thank you to our lovely listeners for tuning in once more. If you have friends that are hairdressers, or of course you might have a hairdresser yourself, please recommend to them the resilient hairdresser and get them connected to support them with their well-being and their resilience. And I hope that you've managed to pick up some valuable insights too along our podcast journey today but as always until next time take great care of yourself and those around you so it's bye for now